It's going to be here one more time this morning. And to see all your lovely faces. I feel such a sweet spirit in this building here with the singing with the praises to God and I trust that sweet Holy Spirit that is present here will minister unto every need this morning. Uh, if you have your Bibles, I'd like to invite your attention quickly to Romans 5. Romans 5. I read from verse 1 and down through verse 5. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. By whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation walketh patience. And patience experienced and experience hope. Nate o kugumi kiriza kureta. Inegamo kukemiwa. Nato kukiza kureta obu manjirivu. Nato obu manjirivu obu bureta okusubira. And hope maketh not ashamed because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given unto us. And if you notice those five uh, verses, it's talking about faith, hope, and love, which is charity. Uh, so one, just one quick verse, First uh, Corinthians 13 and verse 13. It says, and now about a faith, hope, charity, these three, for the greatest of these is charity. Charity by heads on our prayer. 
Heavenly Father, we thank you for grace to be back in your presence. In, in your house this morning. And because you told us, Lord, that where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I will be in their midst. So we know you are here, Lord. And we welcome your presence. We reverence your presence. We worship your majesty. We confess you are the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. You are the King. You are the Lord. You are the ruler over all. And so we come to you this morning with an awareness, with a recognition that we are coming before the Lord of the heavens and the earth. And we, before you, Lord, all our problems melt. They melt away into insignificance. They don't even register on the radar because you are God and God alone. We praise you, Father. We would ask that you will please visit with us one more time this morning as you have done so many times in this tabernacle down through the years. We pray, Lord, that you'll not leave us this morning, Lord. Visit with us, Father. Visit with each one of us as you did those two on the road to Emmaus while they were been overwhelmed by what had just happened to them. Life was pressing them down. Life was seemingly so unkind to them. But then came Jesus, the risen resurrected Lord, came on the scene and all their problems melted away. They didn't seem to matter anymore in the presence of our risen King. Oh dear risen Savior, you are still the same Lord God. We would ask that you will please drop down one more time this morning. Like those two on the road to Emmaus, may you visit with us that at the end of this service, we will cry out like they did. Did not our hearts burn within us as you speak to us along life's way? Speak to each one of us along life's way this morning. And we will be careful to give you alone all the praise, all the honor, and all the glory. For we ask you with thanksgiving in the sweet and lovely and majestic name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Are you happy this morning? Now let me see if you're happy. You're not answering me. All right. Amen. You've been such a lovely audience. And I feel a very sweet spirit in this building. And, and that just speaks of the quality of spirit in the church. And once again, we are thankful and grateful for the privilege to be here. Once again to our pastor here, Pastor Gideon. Thank you, Pastor Gideon, for having us here. To your wife and the family and the church. We will get to fellowship uh, before the weekend is out. But it, it sure is a blessing to be here. So this morning, uh, continuing from last night, uh, 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 actually, are going to finish that tonight. 
So I will hold you up too long because I'm conscious I'm a long windy preacher. So, so I don't want to hold you up too long. So I hope that's okay with you. So last night, we were speaking on called out. How God sent us a prophet with a message that directed attention not to himself but to, but to Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ was the theme is the theme and will always be the theme of Brother Branham's message. And we thank God for that great Elijah prophet of Malachi 415. And so we said last night of course not that you don't know these things but like the Bible said even though you know them and you'll be established in the present truth I will not fail to put you in remembrance of these things because human beings that we are the way we are wired the way we are built by God we need to hear it over and, and over and over again and again and again and again and the more we hear it the more our roots go down the more our roots go down the more we are stable the more we are stable the more we are stabilized and the devil can push us around like the Bible says not push around by every wind of doctrine the devil's cunning craftiness. But too many of us believers, the devil has an upper hand against us. In many ways, that pertain to this life. And from there, he tries to walk his way cunningly to have control otherwise. Uh, um, just follow my thought, my thinking very, very carefully. But God sent us a message of deliverance, and it's not enough to know that God sent Brother Branham to call us out. That is good. We are called out. So what next? Where are we going to? How do we get there? How are we going to go there? And that's why the prophet he laid down the program not from his mind but, but, from, the, but from the pages of God's word. A clear program how to go, how to move from here all the way down to eternity. He laid it down for us that none of us will have any excuse to miss it. Of course, not that we are planning to miss it, but we have an enemy whose main job his only job is to make it as tough 
as difficult for us as much as possible. If he can make it difficult for you in church, he will do it. If he can make it difficult for you, if he can make it difficult for you in church, he'll find other avenues. His job is just to make your life miserable. His job is to make you look at God in the face. Just curse God and die. But we refuse to do that route. And we are not going to take that route. Because the devil, Malachi's first message, unfolded all his schemes. Malachi's first message, the great Elijah prophet's message, stripped Lucifer totally naked. So the devil has no hiding place. He has nowhere to hide. All his schemes, all his tricks, all his trickery. We say you are exposed, Satan. The prophet Elijah has come in the land. Did somebody forget to tell you, Satan? The Malachi first message has passed through the land. A prophet, and I say, more than a prophet has been among us. There is no hiding place, Satan. You can hide anywhere. And that's why we preach the word. To keep Lucifer naked. And the devil has no place in you. Jesus said, The prince of this world cometh. And he can find no place in me. And the devil is nothing but a liar. He's a bluff. He's an aggressor. But we are more than a man. Through Jesus Christ that loved us. So fear not, little sister. There's a man that has turned on the light. And you are walking in that light. That glorious end time light of Malachi's first gospel of Jesus Christ in the same yesterday, today, and forever. Shout hallelujah somebody. So we are here to shout the victory. And I hope in some little way, I hope in some little way, I hope in some little way, I will put my shoulders to the wheel Pastor Gideon because I know he has labored in this assembly. So I'm not coming to say anything that you don't know. But I want to put my shoulders to the wheel. Amen. With my brother to take this thing up to drive it on to push the devil back because we got the word of the Lord. No man can save anybody. Just like there's no divine healer. There's no divine savior in any man. When you get saved, it's not a man that saves you. Same way when you get healed, it's not a man that heals you. It's God that saves you. It's God that heals you. And Brother Branham said, 
Jesus Christ already paid the price. As a matter of fact, way back before the foundation of the world, you were saved, you were justified, you were glorified, you were already adopted. Amen. You never did in the first place. Glory. Glory. And every ailment, every disease that you'll ever have was healed. And Jesus paid the price for it. On Calvary's mountain, he paid the price. So the devil has no right today to hold you bound. Either in sin or in your body, he don't have the power. He don't have the authority. But he said, Brother Panam said, why you are in that state, why we are all in that state, is because the devil, amen, keeps us from knowing it. And Brother Panam said, Everybody who is predestined to life will be saved right now. But the devil, evil spirits, keep them bound from some lost lust for, for pleasure or something. Or just some ignorance or something. And every disease will be healed right now. Even that the devil keeps us in unbelief, in ignorance. But he said the preacher job. The preacher's job is not to save any man but to take the word of the Lord and preach the word and while you preach the word it pushes the devils back and when the devils get pushed back from you you come into your awareness and when the devil get pushed back from you you realize I don't have to be a sinner you realize I can be healed right now and then you're walking there you give your heart to the Lord you receive your healing you receive your deliverance whatever it is the preacher's job is to push the devil back and that's why we come to church that's why we don't stay home we come to church show the anointed man of God with the pillar of fire the Holy Ghost can push the devil's back as the word is being spoken. And we are pushing the devil back this The devil has no authority to hold you bound. He cannot do it. You are the called out. Called out. The devil has lost his grip. He's lost his grip upon you. The oil of the Holy Ghost is all over you. You are slippery. The devil can't touch you. He can't hold you. He can't get a hold of you. And if he still has you bound, by the time we are done, you are going to be free. Free. Free at last. Free at last. Thank God Almighty. You are free at last. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. So this morning, we want to pick up of last night and show you, amen, not that you don't know, but just to show you, amen, maybe from another angle, to help to elevate your thinking. And if I can help elevate your thinking, then I'll be happy. Amen. 
elevate your thinking from that Christian that's discouraged from that Christian that finds very little joy in serving God from that Christian that's so, so almost given up from that Christian, young man, young woman, I can take a stand for what they believe. From that Christian, that feels there's something out in the world. Or that Christian, that feels the economic conditions are making their life so rough. Till even, till even talk to see how God cares for you at all. That's the devil's job to make you feel that way. He's determined to stop you however he can. He will lie to you. He will misrepresent facts. He will misrepresent the truth. And your job, our job as ministers, and your job as believers, is to uncover the devil like Malachi for Brother Panama already did for us at every one of his tricks. So we have been called out. And we know in this season here, this time, we are waiting on the promise now here's the promise. He has a problem here. Brother Bram's message is more than just a message to call us out. There's a purpose in that message. There's a purpose in God calling us out. And that purpose is we are going to the promised land. Israel is our type. Of course, there are many types through the Bible. We spoke about Abraham last night. And Israel is our type. Called out of Egypt. Were they just called out? Just to come out of Egypt? No. They were called out for a purpose. But then that's how many of us are in the message. Is that we just come out. You just come out the message. We just come to church. We don't know why we come. What we are doing there. We get angry at the pastor sometimes. Get angry at the deacon. Get angry at the husband. Get angry at the wife. Get angry at this brother or that sister. We, we don't seem to know. We are called out. When we live like that, we are like Israel. Many of them who came out of Egypt, there's a promised land to go to. There's a promise to press on towards. But they came out and it was like they just came into the wilderness. So every little thing that happened there became a major thing for them. As soon as they came out, no water, they complain. As soon as they came out, waters were bitter. They mumbled. They were not focused. They were focused on everything that's wrong. And that's what happens when you don't seem to understand that this message is more than just coming out. I'm talking it's Acts 2.38 or Malachi 4. There's a message of redemption that we are to press towards. And if you lose the sight of that, if you lose sight of that, you'll just wander in the wilderness like Israel wandered in the wilderness. 
Because they were not focused on the promise ahead of them. So we told you last night, when you are called out, nextly you are nourished. You are fed from the storehouse of Malachi 4. The William Branham storehouse of Jesus Christ being the same yesterday, today, and forever. Glory to God. And you are fed and tutored and childering so you can become like Jesus every single day becoming more and more like Jesus Christ and that's wonderful but even with that even with that it's not enough it's, more, it's important to recognize there's a promise this message here is a promise Amen. Amen. There's a promise in this message of where you are going to. Abraham had a promise to go to a land that God will show him. And in that promise were so many promises. Amen. A promise of Isaac. A promise of a son through whom all the nations will be blessed. Abraham's promise is still unfolding. And so Abraham knew the secret of coming out and staying out was to look forward to the promise because the Bible said like the other heroes of faith like the other heroes of faith. In Hebrews 11, they wandered in sheepskins, in deserts. Hallelujah. They looked for a city whose builder maker is God. If they had not done that, the Bible said they would have had reason to go back. So we got to look forward. We got to find a promise to hang on to. If you don't find a promise, you'll lose faith. You'll lose hope. Oh, that's a promise for your children. That's a promise for your upkeep. That's a promise to pay your house rent. That's a promise to send your children to school. If you don't have a promise to live for, the, the devil will wipe you out. And that's why I said last night, and we brethren, like Isaac was, a juvenile promise. We live by the promises. We live by the promises. In the morning, in the afternoon, at noon time, at night time, we live by the promises. You've got to find a promise for your situation. Shall we have a promise? There's going to be a perfect bride. But in there, you've got to find a promise for your situation. So your tribulations will work patience. And patience will work experience. And experience 
will walk hope and hope make it not ashamed why hope knows it's going to happen your promise shall come to pass God will fulfill what he said he will do glory hallelujah Amen. Amen. So we are called out. And then we are nourished. And number three. We are given a promise to live for. That promise gives us hope. That promise keeps us alive. That promise drives us on. Hallelujah. So last night. We tried to cover. Because I wanted to go on all of them. Uh, we recovered, called out. So this morning, we're trying to see how the tutoring, the training, how it takes place, how God does it. Friends, you are tutored. You are child-trained. You are fed on the word. Amen. How does it happen? You are tutored and child trained by the word and on the word. Fed by the word and fed on the word. You are fed by the word by ministry. Amen. In church, your pastor, ministers, preaching this message, preaching this gospel, taking the words of the prophet into the scriptures, pulling out of there Jesus Christ and feeding your soul with it, tutoring you for behavior, for Christian living, who God is showing that to you how he lives, how he walks, how he talks, how he behaves himself. The ministry fits you by the word and feeding you. They are training you. Training you for the promise. Training you for character. Training you for uh, a life-changing experience. Training you so every day you will become more and more like Jesus Christ. And like I said, this is an invitation from God to come live in you, live in your house, so that Jesus Christ will be manifested in and through you. So that your neighbors all around you, every single day, they'll see Jesus Christ. Living in the 21st century, living in Kampala, Living next door to them. Just like the early bride. They took notice. That they had been with Jesus. Oh hallelujah. So we are fed by the word. I'm fed on the word. So fed by the word. By the ministry. I'm fed on the word. Because the word you take from the ministry. Is not enough. Your tutoring is not enough. You might just get the word from church. Or from a tape. Or your pastor. Or some minister. It's not enough. You got to take that word. And go into your home. In your secret places. And fish on the word. And then you will be fed. On the word. As you personally fellowship with the Lord. Based upon the feeding. That you have been fed by. 
Let's dive in there a little bit. Amen. I won't keep it too long. So here, I believe the ministry has fed us by the real revealed word message from Malachi for from the back of the Bible, from the storehouse. And today, that word has arisen in your souls. If you have received that word, faith has risen in your souls. And that faith is showing you is showing you how to live, how to walk, how to talk, day by day. Amen. That faith is showing you how to prepare to go out of here. That faith is giving you a revelation that God loved you before the foundation of the world. Amen. As you are hearing the word, this is how you are tutored. That faith is giving you a faith without condemnation. Takes all the condemnation away from you. Let you know you never did in the first place. Let you know before the foundation of the world you were justified. You were sanctified. So the devil can't put a finger on you. He can't put one finger on you. Amen. As you are being tutored, the very idea of the tutoring is for you to find out what's wrong with your life. So find out what's wrong with your life. Shall bring no condemnation. It shall bring rejoicing. That God loved you so much to correct you. To show you what's wrong. Because he that I love, I chastise and show them what's wrong in their life. And so, that's why if somebody is shown to you that's wrong, there's no need to be defensive. There's no need to try and run away from it. As though it's making you dirty. If you're wrong, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. That's a tutoring. So that your life goes out. Day by day, your life is going out. And day by day, his life is coming in. In terms of his word, brings light. And the light that's coming in is exposing the darkness that's in your life and pushing it out. That's nothing to be angry about. That's nothing to be ashamed of. That's nothing to hide from. That's nothing to stand your ground on and insist on you are right. We are all wrong. Every single one of us and only Jesus Christ is right. And this is the message that's inviting us to put his life in us. Oh, what a blessing. What a blessing. Also, as we go on, the tutoring from the word, that's why we love to come to church. So you know how to talk, how to walk, how to live, how to behave, so you might know the secret of behavior, the secret of the life of Christ, to give you behavior, and Brother Branham said, Amen. 
your behavior sets you up for adoption. Are many Christians who are even in the message who claim the message find brothers, find sisters, many of us sometimes we behave even Pentecostals behave better than we do. Your behavior doesn't save you your, but your behavior shows that this word the prophet of Jesus Christ has gone into your soul and is pushing your own life out and the life of Jesus Christ is coming in and the secret of our behavior is inside life and that's the word it's trying to find a resting place in the socket of your souls Jesus said the, uh, 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 the son of man cometh which is the word and he hath no place no place to lay his head. But he's found a place in you to lay his head. So here we are today. Here we are this morning. The Son of Man. The what Malachi for preached. Which is Jesus Christ. Looking for where to to abide, looking for where to live, and that's where we come to church. That's the tutoring that you receive from, your, from church, from the ministry. Glory to God. And then you take that tutoring and take it to every nook and corner of your life. The pastor don't know your secret places. Nobody knows anything like that. But you know, so you take the word and go into your and let the word search you out so you might become every day more like Jesus Christ. Oh, hallelujah. So we are tutored for growth. Spiritual growth for maturity. We are tutored for behavior at the word of God from Malachi for storehouse. And being so tutored by God appointed ministry, we begin to add on the life of Christ. We begin to to become more and more like Jesus Christ. Every single day, your life just changes. It's not about do's and don'ts. It's about receiving the word. And when the word finds a resting place in the inside of your soul, from the inside of your soul, the control tower, it just sends out the defects. And your life changes day by day. Oh, glory to God. So we thank God for God's, God's call ministry. And we call to train us. That we might become one like Jesus Christ. But for this ministry itself, to assume this responsibility of training God's sheep, for this ministry itself, uh -huh. to assume the responsibility of the ministry itself must be trained by God so that they'll know how to train their people. Amen. So that they receive from God and give it to their people. The Apostle Paul 
that chief messenger, he said in 1 Corinthians 11, just as he began to talk about the Lord's Supper, he said, for I have received of the Lord that which I also gave unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took, took bread. So there is no way Paul could have given it out. He had to receive it from the Lord first. And this ministry is saddled is saddled, is given the responsibility to train God's sheep, to train God's people. Like I was saying last night, and I'm sorry if, it, if it's not the same thing here, but where I come from in West Africa, there's a very, very serious need in the message for ministers and pastors Abasumba. to understand the responsibility why they are in the ministry at all. They are in the ministry because of the sheep. Without the sheep, there's no ministry. The ministry, Ephesians 4, is there for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, the work of the ministry, is to edify the body the believers and bring them to perfection in Jesus Christ without the believers there's no ministry which comes first the ministry of the believers the believers come first without the believers there's no ministry when the banner was sent out by the angel in 46 and the angel came to him and the angel told him you have been sent by God with a gift to the nation the message to follow on the second coming of Christ and the angel told him and said everything the angel told him he went back to check it from the scriptures to make sure that it's in the word because he knew it's not the experience it's the word so brother Branham checked out the angel Many ministers are angry that people check them out. Of course, the Bible said, Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirit. Make sure it's in the world. Make sure it's what Brother Branham said. Make sure it's not some sweet words. Hallelujah. So Brother Branham checked out the angel. And Brother Branham said, He told the angel, but the people won't believe me. Just like Moses said, find excuses. You see your situation. You see your condition. You find excuses. Reason why it is not going to happen. Reason why the promise is not going to come to pass. That's just how we are many times. Rather than look for how the promise is going to come to pass. We are so settled into how it's not going to come to pass. Just like Moses said, I can talk. I can talk. Just like Moses said, I can talk. 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 
in a split in a single second time i will get rid of them and set you free so brother bam said the people won't believe me and the angel said like moses you are going to be given two signs a in the hand and then will come a time you begin to be able to know what's in their minds the the messianic sign. And the Bam still said, I get it. But you no, know, the ministers won't believe me. And the angel told me these very memorable words. It's not for the ministers. It's for the people. And Brother Bram said, at that point, he was ready to go. And that's why he was able to withstand the barrage of the ministers, Pentecostals, and these who against him because he was for the people. So the people are so important to God. And the quality of training the get is very important to God because these people, not just the ministers alone, these people, God's sheep around the world are the ones going to bring forth a manifestation of this message of perfection that William Branham brought. This message that's going to take the bride into the rapture in the skies. So before these men are saddled with this great responsibility to train God's sheep they themselves must receive from the Lord this training and on the message God called men the great words before we can have this revival God has got to call out and train ministers and train men God called men God trained men God God men who have been in the presence of God men who know the living God men who God can entrust a ship into their hands men who know their job is to prepare the people for the coming of the Lord. Men who know they are not to control the people, they are not to build a kingdom, but their job is to get the people and point them to Jesus Christ and hand them over to Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Moses had promised Dathan and Korah because Dathan and Korah they saw the ministry they thought this is very good. Because in Egypt, Egypt, where they were, Egypt had all sorts of religions, all sorts of ministers, and they saw all those ministers had a lot of political connections with the pharaohs, they had a lot of wealth, and they had a lot of control over the people. Egyptian religions. That's the history. So Dathan and Korah, they lost it to be like Moses because they thought this ministry that Moses was starting was going to be the same thing. Control over the people. Control over God's heritage. They are going to be the big guys in the wilderness. They did not understand that this man Moses God's testimony of him was he was more meek than all the men on the face of the earth. They don't understand that Moses was interested in the people to take them to the promised land. Moses was not interested 
in the mansion he was not interested in being in control because even at the time God told Moses these stubborn people let me wipe them out and I will make of you a great nation in their place Moses said God you cannot do that these are your people you have been with them for so long Lord this is about your people so I am saying before God can send you and I to train the people we are going to be trained by God ourselves where I come from is a major problem it's a very major problem because you see ministers and I'm sorry I'm sorry but I gotta say this. You see, Mister, where I come from, ministers are in control. We, are, we seem to have lost total touch and focus. That we have the sheep to point them to Jesus Christ. To, to hand them over to Jesus. The tutoring. We are tutoring them by the word. And if they do it right, they hand them over to Jesus Christ so that Jesus Christ himself will begin to tutor them from his word. The people cannot go directly because they've got to give a space between them and the ark. But God gives his word to the ministry and the ministry gives to the people. And the effect of the ministry giving the people the word is they hand the people over to Jesus Christ. They, they espouse the people to Jesus Christ. And every believer in the assembly love their pastor but they love Jesus Christ more and they have fellowship with Jesus Christ every single day. And when we do this right, the church will be built upon the solid foundation. Every believer in there, every man, every woman, every boy, every girl will be built upon the solid foundation of the Lord, of the rock Jesus Christ. And the devil can't stop you. But you got to keep your focus on the promise. If you don't keep your focus on the promise, as a minister, you'll get angry at the people. And when God got angry at Israel, He was just shown as an example that the people can be so terrible sometimes. They can almost exasperate your, your patience. You feel like wiping some out. But like Moses, God had Moses there to show us in type how we as ministers are to peer with the people through this training. Like a father and a mother bear with their children. When those children are good, when they are bad, when they are naughty, and as spiritual fathers over God's heritage, the same thing God's ministry is supposed to do and take the people into the spirit of Jesus Christ into the life of Jesus Christ and pouring his, his seeds pouring his seeds of his life into them because this, this is the age of personal life the personal life of Jesus Christ is what God is looking for in the pastor, in the, in the sister, in the young man, young woman. That's what this tutoring and maturing 
and child training that's what it's all about to bring us to the life of Jesus Christ for behavior oh hallelujah Amen. And as we have been so fed, we mature and grow in grace. Maturing in grace, you, each one of us, enter into a personal relationship with Jesus. We enter into a close fellowship with God. And Brother Branham said, God, he loves fellowship. Fellowshiping with God, communion with God, you pick on the tutoring, the child training. God himself tells you things that the pastor cannot even tell you. Things the pastor does not even know about. Things sometimes the pastor might not even want to tell you. Because he knows you'll be angry. You'll think he's taking sides with the husband. Against the wife. Or taking side with the wife against the husband. Or taking side with this brother. Or that brother. Or God doesn't have those inhibitions. So God can take the word and tell you what even the pastor may not be able to tell you. Trying to put his life into you. Trying to put his seed, his germ the of your soul. You, to change you day by day the whole purpose of behavior of this child training the whole purpose of the behavior of Christ in you is to keep Lucifer Satan devil out of your heart out of your life, out of your home, out of all your relationships, the whole purpose of the mysteries open to us is to have the life of Jesus Christ walking through our beings. Let me read this, this quote from Father Branham. On the message, Mount Roaring from the Prince of the Lord, 1965, February 17. Brother Bram said, I believe we have truth. I'm satisfied of that. I believe the wheat is the shock is pulling away from the wheat. And I'm going to give you a little prelude on that tomorrow night. How the shock is pulling away. But the wheat has to lay in the presence of the sun to ripen. And, and that's what we are here for, friends. Is to stay in the presence of the Son. Till a little group of people here. Till it becomes so wrapped to Christ. It becomes bread on his table. That's what I wanted to do. And now, before we approach the word, after reciting poems and so forth, let's pray again. Dear Jesus, it begins to pray. Help us tonight now in these few words as we wait upon thee and we pray that your grace and mercy will be with us Lord and tender our hearts move back all the shocks shocks the um the um the thorns the thorns the thistles. Let the blessed sunshine of God fall in upon the world, Lord. And may we have such a great meeting 
Till there will not be an unsafe person among us. All the children will be in the kingdom of God. Those without the baptism of the Holy Ghost, may they receive it, Father. May all the great mysteries, listen. Here it is, listen now. May all the great mysteries that we're supposed to know in this age, Lord, may they be unveiled to us. And when they unveil to us, we'll see the plainness of God. And when we see the plainness of God, what's the purpose? So that we will know how to behave ourselves. So we'll know how to act. Correcting ourselves. And bringing the members of our body into discipline to the word. That we might know how to live in this present day at the approaching of the Lord Jesus. Oh, Father, give to us at night the things that in your word that we might be better Christians and live according to the time that we're living in. Examples of Christianity. Amen. 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 Brother Branham here, showing us that the purpose of the preaching is for you and I to check the word of God. We see God so plain, the mystery of God, who has been, nature, how he lives, how he walks, how he behaves himself. We see all that, and the purpose is so that he will affect our lives and conduct ourselves ourselves and be better behaved so we might be better examples of Christianity. Oh, hallelujah. Amen. Glory to God, amen. That's what we are doing in this time here, this waiting time, this tutoring, this character formation time while we are waiting on the promise. And as we are doing this, in there, we sleep in to this very important part. The promise to live for, which is the third part, which is the third part of the called out message. So we have been called out. We have left the world behind. We have left Egypt behind. We have been tutored by the ministry and by God in a personal relationship with him. We are growing in grace. We are maturing day by day becoming more like Jesus Christ. But even that I can keep saying over and over it's not enough until there's a promise there and we got to realize this message has a promise in it Moses was told to take the people out of Egypt and take them to a promised land that was a promise it wasn't the tutoring in the, in the, in the wilderness that, that was the end in sight the wilderness journey was a means to an end 
they had to get to that promised land. And all those who failed to recognize that did not get to the promised land because they expired in the wilderness. Too many things happen to them on a daily basis. And too many things happen to you on a daily basis. If you don't keep your eyes on the promise, you won't be able to war a good warfare. Glory. Glory. So as we, as we are here, we are keeping our eyes on the promise that they promise to live for. A promise. A promise that gives us a reason to live. When Moses was tired with Israel, when he felt he couldn't go on any longer, he had a promise to take them into the promised land. And that promise kept him alive. That promise gave him a reason for living. That promise raised him over a discouragement. That promise that promise fired his ambition to keep going on when he was tired. When he felt like giving up. The fact that he had a promise was what kept him going. And that's why I keep saying in this message you've got to have a promise to live for. And we have a promise to live for. We have a promise that there's going to be another bride. In the last days, there's going to be a people who under their messenger, under their prophet, will be the final voice to the final age. We have a promise there's going to be a perfect bride that's going to stand there in the beauty of his holiness. We have a promise that signs and wonders signs will accompany a bride. They are going to have the spoken words. They are going to speak and demons are going to scatter. That promise keeps us going. Because we have that promise, we can't stop now. Because we have that promise, we cannot give up. We press toward the promise. Forgetting the things that are behind, we push on. We look forward not as though we have attained but we, we press forward to the promise in Christ Jesus oh hallelujah glory and we have a promise the dynamics the dynamics uh -huh. to your mechanics. We have a promise. You shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you shall be my witnesses. In Judea. Begin at Jerusalem. And in Judea. Unto the uttermost part of the earth. We have a promise. The born sons are coming back. Filled sons are coming back. Oh, hallelujah. We have a promise. When was there a time? For sons have got to be manifested. Outside of this time, we have a promise. Sons of God are coming back. We have a promise. There's going to be a bride. There's going to be so anointed with the word of the living God, with the spirit of God. She will speak, and her words will be backed. She will have thus say the Lord, or she will keep still. We have a promise. A bride is on his road now. 
bride and you are part of that bride stop biting your nails you are part of that bride we have a promise a bride is on his road now that's going to strip Lucifer naked and take everything away from him and they will take possession back on this earth here. We have a promise. Sons of God are coming back. Oh, we are on the road now. We are on the road now. We are sons of promise. God has a promise. Children of promise. But these divine promises we are becoming partakers of the divine nature and the devil can't stop us. The devil cannot stop you. Glory. Amen. I'm almost finished. Amen. 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 So the promise gives you a reason to live. The promise gives you an ambition. Gives you a goal to achieve. Something you are trying to achieve. An ambition. A drive. Brother Abraham said, your ambition drives you. If you come to church, and we just come to church, I doubt if you are going to go very far. There's going to be something you are living for. And I'm going to show you shortly how that drills down to your everyday living. So you'll know to begin to think in a different manner. To begin to think of yourself. Like God wants you to think of yourself. You are no Ugandan. You are no Kenyan. You are sons of God. You are eagles. And God's here with you. No matter how tough the economy is. God doesn't respect the economy. We live in a different economy. And that's what I want to show you. Because he's interested in you. Because in your economic circumstances, in your marriage circumstances, he put a promise in there. If you have no promise to live for, the economy will wipe you out. If you have no promise to live for, problems with your children will wipe you out. If you have no promise to live for, Problems at home with the wife, with the husband, with the in laws will wipe you out. But in every situation, God gives a promise on them. And we live by the promises. We call everything else contrary. We say you are not in the picture. If you are not in line with the promise. So get the picture. The bride has a grand promise. There's going to be a perfect bride. A bride that's going to have spoken word power. That's for the bride collective. That bride is going to be there. And it's your job, it's my job to make sure we are part of that bride. We kick Lucifer out of heaven. We kick Lucifer out of heaven. And we are fixing to kick him out of everywhere on the face of the earth. Out of every sinner. Out of your children, your sons that are not serving the Lord, your husband, your wife. We are, we are getting ready. It's our promise. 
Jesus said, if it were not so, I would have told you. In other words, I have no reason to deceive you. Who are you that I would deceive you? Can you believe the Lord? Can you believe Jesus that he will not lie to you? Isaiah 53. Who has believed our report? Who has believed the report of the Lord that he will not lie to you? There's a promise for you. There's a promise for the bride. The bride is on his road. You are part of that bride. And your pastor here has tried to keep you on the straight and narrow. Your pastor here has handed you over to Jesus Christ so that you will be his chaste virgin. So Jesus Christ is dealing with you, fellowshipping with you because God lost fellowship. God lost your fellowship with you like a fellowship with Adam, like a fellowship with Eve before the fall in the Garden of Eden in the cool of the day. God will fellowship with Adam and Eve. That's what he does to you too. Tutoring you. Fellowshipping with you. Growing in grace as you fellowship with the Lord. And that's for the bride. But in that, in that promise, you as an individual, you have situations. Is God concerned about you or not? Like Gideon asked. Like Gideon asked. If God be for us, where be all the miracles? Sure. Is the God of Israel? Is He stuff for Israel? Is He God of Malachi for? That's right. But if God is for us today, where is that God? And I can hear you crying. If God is God, where is He in my home? I can hardly feed my family. I can hardly send my children to school. I can hardly make ends meet. If God be God, where is all the miracles? If God be God, they said, he said, I've been young. I've been old. I've never seen the righteous forsaken. Now you see that in bread. Is that God still alive? I'm asking you. Is that God still alive? Sure. There's coming a bride. I know that. But I want to know that God can meet my every need. I want to know that God can help me put food on the table. So I'll not be worse than an infidel. But, uh, is God still alive? Jesus said, if you were not so, I would have told you, are you a shallow promise? In every situation in your life, there is a promise. There is a promise. While you are going through, hold on to the promise. Hallelujah. In your tribulations, in your trials, in your trials, your trials, as you go through the wilderness, they are just walking in you. Experience. Hallelujah! Amen. I'm making myself clear. There's a bright promise. And, and we have been called out. We have been tutored. We have been character. 
developing into the sons and daughters of God. They are worthy to go into the promised land. All those who are not worthy were wiped out. But I want to show you why they were wiped out. It came down to their daily living because they could not see the promise of God. They could not trust God every single day. And I'm saying, even while we're for that promise, even while we wait for that promise, every single day, we have to leave. We have to leave. We go through tribulations. They went through tribulations in the in the wilderness. Israel went through a lot of tribulations. And you go through tribulations. Now, you, you go through trials. How many people here don't go through any trial? How many don't go through a trial? We all go through trials. And the devil tells you that trial you'll never overcome it. I want to show you two examples in the Bible. And then I'll be done. Two examples while they are waiting for the promise to come. Two examples how they feasted on the promise or despised the promise. Israel, God, I was going to read the scripture, but it's going to be too long. Read it. Numbers 13. Numbers 13. The whole chapter. And into Numbers 14. They were just on the verge of the promised land. The promise they were living for. They had gone through the maturing, the tutoring, the growth, the child training, and they were just on the verge, on the edge of a brand new world. A land that's going to be there. And Moses said, God told him, send 12 spies, representing ministers, send them out to spy the and let them come back with a report of the land. God wanted to give the people an assurance that the land is there. That's God. He wants to give an assurance every time that his promise is sure. In spite of what the economy says, in spite of what the economy says, in spite of what, what anything says to the contrary, in spite of what your son's situation says, do you have a promise? Do you have a promise? On that son, on that daughter, do you have a promise for your economic situation? Or God is not concerned about that. What kind of God is that? That he won't be concerned about the food you eat. Not the God of the Bible. Not the God William Branham introduced to us. Because that God, when Israel came out of wilderness, when Israel came out of Egypt, he provided food for them. Natural food. He provided water for them. He cared about how they were going to go to school. How they were going to find food. He cares about how you put food on the table. That's why I like talking to young people. End-time message is prophesied will meet end-time conditions and irrespects no country. Whether that be Uganda, whether that be Nigeria, it doesn't respect the economic circumstances. Our God is more than able. Tell me, 
Tell me. In the wilderness. Uganda is not a wilderness. Uganda Dungu. Nigeria is not a wilderness. Nigeria Kenya is not a wilderness. Kenya Dungu. Tanzania is not a wilderness. Tanzania Dungu. But Israel came out. Two million people. Historians tell you. Two million people came out. With nothing. No food. Nothing. Where were they going to find food? Where were they going to find water? Hallelujah. Where were they going to find the supermarkets? To get new clothes. To wear new clothes. Even for 40 days. Became 40 years. You don't know my God. You don't know the God that I serve. That's the God you serve. That's your God. That's your Father. Don't, don't, don't. Don't push him small. He's a big God. He's a great God. There was no economy in the wilderness. You said Ugandan economy is messed up. There was no economy in the wilderness. You say the supermarkets have no food. Our food is expensive. There was no food in the wilderness. He said, when we get sick, the hospitals are so messed up and the good ones are too expensive. Listen friends. like somebody forgot to tell God to provide for hospitals in the wilderness. No, God did not forget. He's more than able. He created the universe. He opened up the Red Sea with the blast of his nostrils. That's the God we serve. Don't you ever forget that. Don't you ever forget that. Let him move from here. And let it drop into your soul. It will meet every challenge. You may be seated. I'm almost done. Well, I feel like shouting. I feel like running through a tube. My God is a big God. Yes, he is. Do you have the same God like I do? Of course you do. My God is a big God. He speaks. And demons scatter. He took five loaves of bread. And fed five thousand. Excluding babies and children. He will feed your family. He will feed your children. The God that said. I've been young. I've been old. I've never seen the righteous forsaken. They are not going to starve. God is obligated to keep his word. That's the God we serve. But you're going to find your promise. God walks by the promises. You're going to find the promise for your situation. Amen. Yeah, 
So Moses Musa he sent the spies out and they went there and they saw the land just like God said. They saw the land that God does provide that your seed will never beg bread. But they said that's for certain people. That's for the rich guys. That's for the business guys. That's not for us church people. That's not for us small boys. It's true. But stop deceiving these people, Moses. Those Philistines there, those sons of Anak, they are too mighty for us. We're like grasshoppers before them. And believers who are called out, they're like grasshoppers. We're eagles. God told them. Are you a grasshopper? Are you an eagle? Tell your neighbor. Tell your neighbor. You're an eagle. And God will take you through every problem. Over every problem. On eagle's wings. He said, I brought you out of Egypt on eagle's wings. They flew over the Red Sea. They flew over every Red Sea. Amen. I'd like to take a service. I'd like to take a service. I speak with the young people. I the young people. Our young people have been so short-changed. They've seen us who preach the word. They're quite living up to it. And these young men and women, mostly, find children. Many of them born in the message. Many of them came on their own. And they don't want to go anywhere else. They serve this God. They want to serve Him. But it looks more and more difficult every day. Sure, God, I'm going in the rapture. But I don't even have the money to come to church. I don't even have the money to get married. I don't even have the money to feed my children. Is God interested in all that? You bet He is. Oh yes, he is. Oh yes, he is. Like he took them out of Egypt. And they came to the Red Sea. And those which were saying, look at, look at God. God said, Moses, let them shut up. It's not a man that he will lie. Stop looking at your problems. Through human eyes. Because God is not looking at your problems through human eyes. They looked at the Red Sea through human eyes. But God looked down at the Red Sea through the pillar of fire. God was mad. God was mad at the Red Sea. And all God needed is that Moses raise up your stick. A man could not do that. Raise up your stick over the Red Sea. And God with an east wind the blast of his nostrils opened up the Red Sea. That's how big this problem was. To God. God did not even touch you with a finger. The rest was so small. God did not have to touch you with a finger. 
What problem do you have? Every promise that God put for that promise, all you need to do is find a promise. Find a promise. Hallelujah. Amen. If you want bread on the table, find a promise. If you want peace in your marriage, find a promise. If you want peace in your children, find a promise. If you want the salvation of your children, find a promise. And live for the promise. Hold on to the promise. Oh, hallelujah. Amen. Israel, they came, those ministers came back, and with an evil report, they told Israel, sure the land is there, Moses said all these fantastic things, all these fantastic things in the message, all these fantastic things, this picture is telling you this morning, they are there, I know it, but to get your food on the table, that's for the big guys, who have the big jobs, why can't you have those big jobs? That's for the big guys who are in government. That's for the big guys. And they told the people. And that's why you got to be careful what you say. When you want to think different, you can think like the regular man does. Regular man thinks. The regular man thinks as his eyes tell him. The spiritual man thinks from above. The spiritual man, let this man be in you, because also in Christ Jesus, the spiritual man, whatsoever things appear, whatsoever things of a good report, think on these things, is it a good report, that you can't put food on your table, that's a bad report, that's a bad report, don't think on that, because what you think on, grows, when you think about your problem, this problem is so great. That problem just becomes bigger. Why do you think about your problem? I know who's going to fix you. I know who's going to solve you. My God. And I look unto him. I think of his good reports. Of his promises. That problem will get taken care of. Before you know it. Hallelujah. So Israel. When they got this evil report. These ministers. We can't do it. It's not possible. And one thing with message people, they are so spiritual. They forget they are on this earth here to live. To show for the glories of God. They forget the spiritual importance of the physical world. The Bible said, show me your faith. By your works, your brother is hungry. And you say, God bless you. God keep you warm. What kind of work is that? The work you should do, do something to help with his hunger. That's a physical act. That's showing your faith, your spiritual faith, is showing forth. By the physical act, because of our faith, that's why we don't do the things in the world. We don't go to a nightclubs. We don't womanize. Those are physical things that are showing forth our spiritual experience. There's a spiritual importance of the physical world. And so Moses, when these spies came back, they told Israel, and because they were their ministers, Israel believe them. Israel got discouraged. Israel began to cry. They began to cry. 
Why do you bring us here? Let's go back to Egypt. Let's get us a leader. To go back to Egypt. And they were on the verge of the promise. Negative talk. Negative talk. Don't you ever let any negative come out of your mouth. Whether you understand or you don't understand, speak the promise. I don't care if your son is so lost in the world. Speak the promise. What's the promise? What's the promise? We shall not leave one hoof behind. You and your children shall be there. Speak the promise. Don't say my son. Do not say my son. Evil boy is in the wall. He's in the wall. But you are telling, you are talking to the devil. My son don't belong to you. I've got a promise hanging over that rascal. I've got a promise hanging over that son. He's coming back. Coming to serve the Lord. Hallelujah. Instead of doing that, Israel wept. But Joshua and Caleb, they steal the people. They told them to shut up. We got a promise. They said, we are more than able to take the land. We are more than able to drive out the Philistines. God gave us the promise. And we shall keep hoping. We shall keep trusting. We shall not get discouraged. Oh, hallelujah. Because the new hope make us not ashamed. Let's find another Israelites who, did not, who was not negative. Who held on to the promise. Come on, David. Dawoodi. Here was David. Dawoodi. He was called out. To the promise Samuel. Called him out by God and of all his brothers to be king over Israel in the place of Saul. And that was his promise. He was going to be king, but it was still future. But while he was waiting, David had to be tutored. He had to be child trained. He had to be tutored by his experience, by the word of God, so that he'll be worthy to sit on the throne of Israel. David knew that. I have a promise. I'm going to be king. And that controlled everything that David did. David, he had trials while he was waiting for the promise. David have a trial? You talk about it. David had trials. Tribulations. Saw want to kill him so many times. But David knew. David knew. These trials are only working experience. These tribulations are only working experience. Hallelujah. Amen. I will not give up. I will not relate to Saul like he deserves to be related to. Two times he got a chance to kill Saul. David said this is an experience I'm getting. That do good to them that hate you. His experience was building up his character. Hallelujah. That same experience he was in the backside of the desert taking care 
of his father's sheep called out. The lion came. David knew, I have a promise. I'm going to be king over Israel. So this bear cannot take my life because God's promise can never fail. I am going to be king over Israel. So in the name of the Lord, I go, all, I go to that bear. I go after that bear to snatch the sheep out of his mouth. David was beaten up experience that God keeps his promise that God's promise will never fail. That God's promise will not fall to the ground. David was developing hope his experience was giving him hope and hope is not hope so maybe hope is a higher measure of faith. 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 Charity. Your faith is growing. With your stronger faith. Which is hope. That hope that knows God keeps his word. That hope that has experience with it. And David with the experience of the bear. A lion came one time. David knew I have a promise. This lion cannot take my life. It didn't hide from the lion. He didn't hide from the lion. He did not hide from the lion. The life of the sheep was very important to him. That was a shepherd. Tutoring. He went after the lion. And the lion rose up to him. He said, I grabbed him by the bear. I grabbed his bear. I slew him. Because I have a promise. What was it? David's tribulations were building up experience. And his experience was raising his faith to a higher level. A level of hope that makes not ashamed because it's going to come to pass. And because of this experience, when David got on the scene and Goliath was there both Israel, they forgot their promise. David, David know I have a promise. My promise may not be your promise, but you have a promise in your situation. David, I have a promise. Is Whatever Goliath you have in your life today, is trying to defy the promise God gave you about your situation. And David knew. My tribulations have only built up experience. I've experienced God. I know He keeps His word. I know His promise will never fail. David knew His experience will be no hope. And hope makes not a shame. What if it doesn't happen? What if it doesn't happen? It shall happen because God's promise will never fail. And so David, he went to Goliath. Goliath said, Am I a dog? David ran towards Goliath. Because I'm afraid of your problems. He runs towards them. What Goliath? Goliath. Hope. Kill Goliath. Hope. Higher measure of faith. He wasn't a perfect faith. He was built upon his experience. Hope that makes shame. Kill Goliath. And he was in that season of tutoring, child training, growing to the throne. And he was building up faith. And every problem that came his way, every challenge that came his way, he, had a, he looked for a promise. And that promise. 
name is shield. His armor. a problem. And David slew Goliath. And showed Israel. God keeps his word. God keeps his word. So here we are today, friends. Here we are today. We got a promise. We are living for. There's going to be a bride. But in, your, in that promise, you have every day to live. Like Israel, you have every day to live. But unlike Israel, every day, find a promise for your situation. And hold on to that promise. And speak that promise. Every situation and what the devil scatter. It may not happen overnight. But stand there. What's more than able? Hope. Make it not ashamed. Oh, hallelujah. We are here. We are here. And God is training us to take that glorious ten. And if we hope to be the bride that's going to have this spoken word power, we've got to learn. We've got to learn. We've got to learn to live by the promises every single day that God will take care of you. Put food on your table. You'll pay your school fees. You'll take care of your children. You'll take care of your family. You'll not leave you to starve. God will take care of you. God bless you.